Hello, this is Brian Croft. I'm the senior pastor of Auburndale Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm also the founder of Practical Shepherding. A few years ago, I started a blog about the daily work of a pastor, and that blog has grown into the various ministries of Practical Shepherding. We want to come alongside pastors who are laboring in the trenches of pastoral ministry to encourage and to equip them. And that's why we started this podcast, Trench Talk. So we hope this podcast encourages you and your church as we continue our conversation about the pastor's work. To find out more about Practical Shepherding, visit our website at practicalshepherding.com or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome and thank you for joining us for Trench Talk, the podcast produced by Practical Shepherding. This is a podcast created by pastors for pastors, and we want to start a conversation that helps you think through the practical trench work of ministry. Each episode will consider questions related to some aspect of the pastor's work. Today on our show, we're going to consider the subject of preparing for ministry. How are pastors trained, tested, and confirmed in their calling? I want to introduce you to our conversation partners for this show. I'm your host, Josh Scher, and I serve as one of the pastors of Auburndale Baptist Church, alongside four other pastors, two of whom are with me today. Brian Croft has been the senior pastor at Auburndale Baptist Church for over 11 years. A few years ago, he founded Practical Shepherding, which existed then mainly as a blog, but has blossomed into several books and regional workshops taking place throughout the year. Brian is married to his wife, Kara, and they have four children. We also have our friend and fellow pastor, Scott Wells, who has served as a pastor of our church for about seven years. He's also the executive director of Practical Shepherding. In addition to these ministries, Scott's also served as a chaplain in the military for several years. Scott is married to Jay, and they have three children. Brothers, thanks for joining me on this episode today. We want to talk about preparing for pastoral ministry. And as we begin, I just kind of want you to explain a bit about your history and your experience in pastoral ministry. Uh, Tell us your own story and just kind of identify things along the way that have been landmarks, things that have been helpful, or things that have been particularly challenging. So, Brian, would you go first? Yeah, so I spent the first eight years of pastoral ministry doing associate work in uh, typically large churches, um, unhealthy churches, churches that I wasn't being mentored in the way that I desired. And so I learned a lot of hard, painful lessons being involved in in, in churches that were uh, struggling in different ways and having to, to learn hard lessons. And out of that, though, I, I gained a, a deep desire to want to mentor other young men as they came through to kind of keep them from learning the, the hard lessons the way the way I had to learn them. So I did a variety of things from working with the youth to doing music ministry, uh, discipleship, all kinds of different roles in several different uh, churches with some short stints. Uh, and then came to, to Auburndale and been here as senior pastor, my first senior pastor for uh, about uh, a little over 11 years now. And I have to admit that when I started in, in my first church positions, I really didn't have any idea you know, what I was doing. I can say I love Jesus and I wanted to serve his people. But I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know. I didn't know the Bible well at all. Uh, I, I was I was not equipped at all. And, and to be honest, I shouldn't have been in ministry in those years just because of how ill-equipped I was. But kind of learning on the on the fly, and that's what I started doing. But from that, 
uh, I started to, uh, I got challenged to study and read the Word more, and the Lord did a great work in my life to to learn the Bible, just devoured it for hours at a time. The Lord just did a great work in my heart to um, to do that and then to challenge me theologically and try to read more on those kinds of things. And so um, a lot of it was uh, working through those things in these difficult churches, but having mentors and friends outside these churches that were challenging me in these different areas and eventually led my desire to want to preach and to want to pastor and to want to shepherd people. So I, I think one of the most significant moments was when a certain mentor taught me really what a pastor is and really what the local church is supposed to be. And when that happened, um, I, the desire grew to want to go and be a part of that somewhere. Thank you. Scott, you want to take a moment and tell us about your history in pastoral ministry? Sure. Um, about 20 years ago, uh, God gave me a, a, a deep abiding hunger for his word. And I, I started studying it very intensely during that time that blossomed into teaching a Bible study class at my local church there. During that time, I started wondering and considering whether or not the, the Lord was, might be calling me into pastoral ministry. Um, but I had some misgivings about it because I'd, I'd heard many warnings that you should not enter into pastoral ministry lightly. Uh, otherwise, you will run when times get difficult. And also, there was a particular passage of Scripture that kind of haunted me. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And that, that hung over my head uh, in a very weighty manner. Uh, about that same time, I started taking a, a seminary extension class through a denominational leader uh, where I was uh, living in Alabama. His name was Dr. Charles Wynn, a very, very godly man, a very wise man, who probably had four decades of pastoral ministry under his belt uh, by that time. Eventually, Dr. Wynn helped me wrestle through um, a calling to pastoral ministry, and he took me uh, personally on a campus visit up to Sanford University. He was good friends with a lot of the faculty there, and he introduced me to a lot of them, and that kind of set the ball rolling uh, for college very shortly thereafter, and then seminary, and while in seminary, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and eventually wound up here in Auburndale Baptist Church. I saw a lot of models of uh, pastoral ministry of what... Uh, Doing it not well looked like I had some that that did it well, uh, but I would say for the most part, uh, what I have learned in regard to pastoral ministry has uh, come about by serving with Brian here at Auburndale. Thanks, brothers. So as you've kind of told us your stories, you've explained um, some different opportunities that you've had and different ways that you've served in ministry. Um, I want to ask each of you in turn to just kind of describe how do you know how did you know that you were being called to serve in the particular ministry positions that you ended up serving in? Um, so, Brian, just tell us. So, you've served at different churches in different roles. How did you know that you were called to that specific ministry at that time? Well, I need to acknowledge that the way I ended up in those positions is nothing like I would advocate now. And so, I, I first want to point out that even though I think there is a good, healthy, helpful process to let others figure out, help you figure out where you should serve in ministry, that the Lord certainly can get you ultimately where you're supposed to go. And I, I saw that in my own life. But I think I, I evaluated in a couple ways. Just one, how I was gifted. So I, had a des- I, I was good with people. Uh, I loved youth, teenagers, students. And so that was a good fit to work with students, especially when I was, when I was younger. And... 
and had musical gifts. And so I had particular gifts I was able to serve certain kind of churches with. And so those gifts uh, was able to line up with the needs in these churches. And of course, I just, I want to do, uh, do some, I want to do occupational ministry. That was something I just desired to do. And so I think first and foremost, the desire to do the work of the ministry is, is 1 Timothy 3, 1. I mean, Paul says this is a noble work if you desire to do it. So the desire that what we call the internal calling has to has to be there first. And then you can begin to sort through where to go and and who to help you figure out where you should go. Um, Scott, um, I want to ask you in particular, you've, you've served here as a pastor, but you've also served as a chaplain. How did you work out those that sense of calling in your life? Was it opportunity? Was it your personal desire? How did how did you uh, know that you were called to serve in those two different roles? Sure. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a both and. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, once I figured out the pastoral ministry thing, the chaplaincy was a, a bit of a no-brainer for me. Um, having already had a lot of years in the military and uh, knowing that I love Jesus and I love soldiers, it was a way to combine those two uh, that, that really did not take a lot of convincing on my part. Uh, very early on, after I accepted the call to pastoral ministry, I knew that that was a direction that I wanted to go and that I'd already seen some fruitfulness in and expected uh, that that would turn out to be the case. And it's, it's just something that when you love it, when you see the fruitfulness of it, um, it's just a natural draw to it. And uh, something that I've, I've found uh, uh, very beneficial and I think uh, the Lord uh, confirms that calling as you're, as you're out there doing that ministry. There's some sense in which you've got to get out and do it to know if you're called to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you know, were you, did you serve as a, were you called as a pastor here at Auburndale first, or were you a chaplain first? Which came first, do you remember? Yeah, I was, uh, early on, um, I served as a chaplain candidate. So you cannot become a full-fledged chaplain until you have an accredited seminary degree. But while you're going to seminary, you can serve as a chaplain candidate. So the roadmap, the, the, the glide path was already set before I was a pastor here. Um, but it was not until I had finished seminary, uh, which would have been um, probably a few years after I'd become a pastor here, that I could actually be uh, the technical board is assessed as a chaplain at that point. Okay, Josh, one of the things I would add, too, is that ideally you want a local church that knows you and you're serving in to be able to affirm you for ministry. But I was serving in a church that didn't necessarily do that. Now I'm serving on staff as an associate pastor doing music and some other things. And, but they weren't thinking about uh, how to assess people in that way. So as I'm trying to sort through, okay, I'm feeling a call to preach. I'm feeling a call to go shepherd my own church uh, because the church as a whole didn't necessarily take that responsibility, have that conviction. I had other people in my life who knew me well, even some who were at that church, uh, who began to approach me about this, just knowing my love for the Word was growing. I was teaching the Word in this church, and there was good fruit from that. So in a sense, what I couldn't get in an external call from a full local church, you can have others in your life who know you well, who know your gifts, who can help you sort through those things. And that certainly was the case for, for me also. So when you uh, were appointed to those positions at the churches, was that the call of the pastor, or did the pastor hire you, or did the church, was the church involved, the congregation in any way? Or? Yeah, that's a good question. It depends on the church. There was a, there was a, there was a mix for sure. Uh, in, in the church I served at before I came to Auburndale, the, uh, the, 
the pastor was definitely the one that pretty much ran everything. It was the it was a pretty common CEO, uh, the pastor, the senior pastor. He'd been there a long time. The church had grown large under his ministry, so he had a tremendous amount of power and authority, and he pretty much had the authority to hire and, and, and fire whoever whoever he wanted. And so um, most of the process for me to get hired at that church was was just through his his decision. But uh, in some of the other churches, it was it was more congregational led. Just depend. Okay, um, you've you've mentioned this. You kind of alluded to it in our conversation so far. But you've certainly written about this other places. Um, so, Brian, I wanted to ask you: How did you become convinced along your journey that the local church is responsible to prepare men for pastoral ministry? So, if you weren't seeing this all over the place, how did you become convinced that that's the way it should be? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, first seeing the way that the local church wasn't doing that, and it was being farmed out to other organizations. So it it just kind of by default seemed to be going to seminaries. It seemed to be going to Bible colleges or mission organizations or or whatever. Even in, I think in America especially, there's this, uh, it's almost the responsibility of the individual to determine uh, whether they're supposed to be in ministry and there can be this feel that I don't have this right to question whether you should be a, a pastor. You feel called to be a pastor, you should go, you should go be one. So I think I saw a lot of the abuses of that and how it, it did not work out well. Men serving in ministry who should not be in many cases, and it, it just went badly. And churches were were harmed. But ultimately, I, I just just reading my Bible and and seeing that when the church is being built in Acts. Seminaries aren't around. The Bible colleges aren't around. I mean, it's the the church in Antioch. It's Acts thirteen. I think is the clearest just example of of how Paul and Barnabas are, in a sense, raised up and sent uh, to go out into the ministry. And then then you have other allusions just from Paul writing to Timothy on how there's clearly others, and they're within the church. They know each other. They know their gifts, and they're they're equipping, and then they're affirming. I mean, Paul talking about the laying on of hands of Timothy and those kind of things. So. I think just ultimately reading my Bible and seeing that that that's that scripture is is pointing to the local church is not only how God is just building his his kingdom in many ways but but it's the church that is supposed to to raise men up. The last thing I'd say is that men aren't getting ultimately trained on how to do pastoral ministry in any other place but the local church. That's where that's where a, a pastor learns to be a, a pastor. And I think that's the practical side that I saw. Uh, I've known a lot of guys coming out of seminary who are very bright, smart, got good grades, learned a lot in seminary, but had no idea how to go to visit somebody in the hospital, had no idea how to do a funeral, had no idea how to go to a widow's home, had no idea to do some of these just basic practical things. And so that just just topped it all off to show that the church is where we had to be trained. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So while we're on the subject, um, I want to ask about the role of seminaries. So around this table... Uh, we have someone who has their Master's of Divinity. We have someone who's halfway to their Master's of Divinity. And we have someone who has not attended seminary. So, uh, gentlemen, I want to ask you, what role does a seminary play in training pastors? Do they play a, uh, an important role? Would you encourage guys to go to seminary? Um, how do we think through the role of seminary if the church is responsible for training pastors? Well, seminary, especially, this is an easy, I think, answer and, and a clear distinction when we're in, sitting in Louisville, Kentucky, with, with one of the finest seminaries, in my opinion, in the world that's in our backyard. So we're able to see the, the top-notch faculty they have, 
to to learn theology, to learn languages, uh, to learn history, I mean, all these different things that uh, there's a rigorous academic plan that every student has to go through to get a Master of Divinity, whatever, at, at Southern Seminary and many other se- just excellent seminaries, especially in the States. So there is a, a rigorous academic side that seminary does really well. Uh, but in many cases, the seminaries aren't focusing on the, the practicalities of, of ministry. And so um, because it's generally an academic institution, the academic side is covered, but many of the, the practicalities and just working with people one-on-one just doesn't get addressed. So I've kind of always said that, I mean, seminaries aren't going to teach you how to, to, you know, to go to the hospital and even um, you know, in, preach in a way that's going to reach regular folks. But you know, I've kind of always said that, that you definitely want to get, learn Greek from Tom Schreiner, not me. So. <laughs> All right, brother. So I want to ask you. So if um, if somebody comes up to you, and I imagine this has happened to both of you over the years, and uh, somebody comes up to you at church and he tells you that uh, I want to be a pastor someday, um, what what does the process look like for that man uh, for the next several years for him? Um, what kinds of things are you going to be telling him to think about? What should he be doing? What does it look like here at Auburndale? Well, I'd first say that going back to the internal calling of, I mean, First Timothy three one is is where it has to start. I think so. A man has to feel that inward desire to go be a, to want to serve in the ministry. And I side. There's different schools of thought on this, but I side with Spurgeon that there has to be an kind of an all absorbing, intense desire for the work of the ministry because you won't last in ministry if you don't have that all absorbing desire and intense intensity to want to do the the work. Let me stop you right there and say, so if a guy tells you that he is, he wants to be a pastor, how do you, how do you tell if he really has that burning desire? Well, what, I, are, what are you looking for? Well, the fact that he's coming and approach me and saying he wants to be a pastor tells me he has some kind of desire to do it. Um, or he has absolutely no idea what he's getting into, and we'll take care of that really fast. Yeah. But he has a desire for the work if he's coming up to say something about it. And so I, I'm assuming there's at least some kind of desire. And so from there, I think that's got to be the starting point. Um, there are a few rare cases where I notice a guy with, that seems to have exceptional gifts in the church. And I've actually gone to them and said, have you considered doing ministry? But that's rare. It's typically the other way around. Yeah. The desire's there, but a lot of times the gifts aren't either developed or they're not there. And so you got to start there. And then from, from that point, you need to become a member of a, of a good church, a healthy church that's going to put you in positions to be able to to just do the work of the ministry in the local church. And out of that, you start to just serve the church and, and learn the church. And, and that's when we take guys and try to be more intentional to train them with internships, with just engaging them in what the pastors do. So to take a young man and send me to the hospital or send me to go visit you know, a widow or to disciple this, this other person in the church. I mean, just to go ahead and begin them in some of the basic things that pastors do will eventually let them have an opportunity to preach and even preach several times. And they always have to sit and be evaluated by a small group of us to help them grow and learn. So the training part gets just gradually is a natural progress we found in our church just by them being involved in the church, being members of the church. And as time goes and as their gifts seem to be developing, we'll give them more and more opportunities. But the goal is within three, four years, uh, you know, we are able to put them in those positions to see those gifts develop and 
rise to the top in a way. And that helps us, I think, evaluate whether they ultimately should go be a pastor or not one day. We also have an internship here. Can you just give us a brief sketch, just briefly, about what the internship involves? Yeah, the internship is a four-month period. We have no money in the in the budget for it. Um, we don't pay our interns. It's mainly myself giving, and some of the other pastors at different times, myself mainly giving my time to commit myself to two or three guys every four months and meet with them weekly. Uh, they read a lot of private serving books really came out of wanting to train guys in ministry for, for these particular areas. So they read all those books. We discuss them. But then we also put them in ministry personal face-to-face situations in ministry and see how they do and try to train them that take them alongside first and then we'll send them on their own and so hopefully in four months it's a crash course of just learning a lot of those a lot of those practicalities of just what ministry looks like um brothers what should uh what should someone do if they sense a call to the ministry they have that kind of burning desire like you're talking about to be a pastor and they want to go through a process in their local church of being tested and trained, but their church uh, isn't so interested in training them. Um, what what should a man do in that kind of situation? I would say first off, um, he needs to be gracious with that <clears throat> with that pastor uh, who does not want to go down that road with him. Uh, it. On the face of it, seems like a sad situation where you would have a pastor who wouldn't want to do that. But we don't know people's hearts. And consequently, um, to get upset about it or angry about it probably is not the, the best way to go about it. Um, <clears throat> I would, we take church membership very seriously. And so moving your church membership uh, is something that uh, I consider to be a last resort after you've worked through all other issues. That could be a reason to to, uh, to move to another church. I don't, but I would want to stop short of giving someone a blank check in regard to that, mm-hmm. and uh, try to work through what assets he has there if it's available. Um, potentially working with another pastor, uh, but I would want my pastor to know that I was doing that if I was doing it. Brian, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, let me be let me be clear. If if you're a pastor listening to this and you have absolutely no desire to mentor younger men or think that's at all your responsibility, shame on you. That is your responsibility. So if you're a pastor listening to this, make sure you begin today to consider training men for ministry because that is your responsibility. Now, as far as the churches go, there are plenty of churches that are not organized in a way that they have this vision they're not able to do. So at Auburndale, our church understands that there are young guys that are going to preach on Sunday evening, and they come and listen and support them and give them feedback. That's been created in the culture of our church, but it's taken a lot of years to do that. Not every church has that or even is able to do that. But if you have a pastor or a group of men, leaders in the church, that all they have to do is, is be willing to take you in and, in a sense, let you shadow them in their leadership roles that they play. So if you have at least a pastor or a few leaders in your church, that's that are willing to help and teach you these things then take advantage of that as much as you can it doesn't have to be a perfect process and quite frankly your whole church doesn't have to be a part of it that's ideal but it just doesn't that's not always how it works but if you go to a church matter of fact i had a conversation with a young man a couple weeks ago who 
uh, I gave him the same advice, and he went to his pastor and said, would you mentor me? And the pastor looked at him and he said, sorry, I don't do that sort of thing. That's the point you may need to consider a different church if you truly are considering ministry and realize you need to be trained in the local church. Now, I know that's a strong statement, but if you're wanting to be trained for ministry and you're serving under a pastor who has absolutely no vision for that, it's going to be pretty hard to get trained in that church. Let's go back to that rebuked pastor for a moment. Let's say he's convicted by the shame that you've cast upon him. What what are one or two things that that pastor can start doing to identify and train leaders and future pastors in their church? So or do they, if they're thinking, they're maybe feeling a little overwhelmed, thinking, oh, I've got to set up an internship and I've got to you know, organize all of these processes. What, what are just like the first couple of steps that they can take to identify and train pastors? Yeah, I appreciate you asking the question. I know my words are strong, and it's because any pastor can do the basic element of this, and that is you be a pastor. If you're being a faithful pastor, all you have to do is drag that young guy who wants to learn alongside with you at different things. So when you go to the hospital, you take him with you. When you go to a funeral, you take him with you. When you go visit that widow, you take him with you. When you're sitting and doing sermon prep, let him sit with you for an hour and talk him through what what you're doing. When you go in for deacons meetings or pastors meetings, let him come sit in and listen to what you all do. You don't have to really do anything extra other than maybe organize your, your week a little better to where you can take a guy with you to do these different things. So in, in my opinion, it doesn't require a whole lot of time, but other than just do what you're doing as a pastor on a weekly basis. Now, obviously, some, you can't sit in a difficult counseling meeting and you can't do some of those kind of things, but there is plenty any pastor can do. It's just it's a matter of realizing you have to multiply your efforts and your labors that you're doing. And, that's, and it really is, that is really the most effective way to train guys just in a, in a really raw way. And I can confirm you have you have done that for me, and I can attest that that will teach someone more than you might expect just by getting to watch and just shadow a pastor. Um, there are so many things that you learn that you wouldn't think to even teach somebody if you're just sitting down or lecturing them. Um, that's a great experience and a great way to train pastors. And again, I'd reiterate the reason this has to be connected to a local church is because there's so much that that, and that young man will learn in the church as he's just being a member. And he, he's learning how to preach by watching you and the other pastors preach. He's, he's learning how to care for folks as he watches you care for others and even care for him and hence his family. So there's just so much that is tied directly to the local church why that has to be the central part of it. All right, so uh, say that someone approaches you or you approach someone else, as we've even heard earlier, and they're not sure whether they're called to ministry. How do they sort through that? What are just a couple things that they can be doing to figure out if they're called to ministry? Uh, quickly, I'd say uh, pray about it. Uh, begin serving and put yourself in a role where you're teaching. That will be one of the primary ways that the congregation will evaluate, and you yourself will evaluate whether or not you're called to ministry. Yeah, and I, I think place yourself under the authority of the pastors of your church and be willing to trust God's design to allow them to evaluate you and, and sort through that. The pastors of the church, they're not God, um, but God has seemed to structure this in a way that, you know, I, I believe really only a pastor can identify a pastor. So you need to place yourself under the authority and the accountability of, of those pastors. 
And then I also think you just have to, to be patient. And I have found that, and that's what the, the internship has been beneficial, is the more you stick guys in places where they're serving in ministry roles, they either grow to love that work, again, that desire that grows, First Timothy three one, or the desire doesn't grow. And I think that's a great way to measure whether somebody... So I've had guys go through the internship who were terrified to go like visit somebody in their home, and they did it once, and it became like their favorite thing they get to do. They just grew to love it after doing it. And then there's other guys that went, thought they liked it, and when they went and did it a few times, like, yeah, I'm not really enjoying this. So it's amazing how much a lot of that gets affirmed on both sides of that just as you do the work. Brothers, I want to thank you for your time and your insights. I think this has been a fruitful conversation. Uh, Brian, as we close, I just want to ask, would you pray for pastors and churches as they think about these things, as they take up their responsibility to train future pastors and leaders in their church? Would you just pray that God would shepherd them through that process? Sure. Lord, thank you that your, your church is continuing to be built and that you have equipped leaders in your church to shepherd your people. And so, Lord, we pray that every pastor that's listening to this, would you would give them a desire, a conviction to raise, to work to raise those men up and train them and teach them and experience the joy it is to train someone and send them out and see them flourish in ministry. And, Lord, we also pray for any aspiring pastors listening to this, those who are sorting through their calling, confused on what they are supposed to do. And we ask, Lord, you would give them clarity in that. Use their church, use their pastors to help clarify what they're to do with their life and serving you. We pray, Lord, you would equip them to be faithful for whatever that is. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Trench Talk. We'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you might have for us. So to get in touch with us, you can email us at brian at practicalshepherding.com or you can contact us through Facebook or Twitter. You can find out more about Practical Shepherding at our website. At the website, you can find our blog, and you can also find information about articles and books that we've published. You can also find out information about our regional workshops, where we engage pastors face-to-face to equip them for the trench work of ministry. So until next time, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you as you labor in the trenches of pastoral ministry.